0: Uh, Our communicator today, I respect tremendously. She is the director of The Brook, our young adult ministry. She is the best disciple maker I have ever met in my life. She's incredible. She challenges me every single day with her character and the fruits of the spirit that are evident in her life. Can you guys please put your hands together right now for Molly Soderstrom? Hello. Hello. Welcome. 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 All right, so I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where we are known for three things. The Packers, cheese curds, and big old Catholic churches, right? And like any good Catholic family, we had this huge Bible in our house. This Bible, I just recently found out, had been passed down through generations. And every day I would leave the house, I would walk past this Bible. To me, it was an old dusty, irrelevant book. I never once read it. I never opened it. I never used it. This is my Bible today. It has been underlined in. It has been beat up. It's been rebound. But these words have guided me through life, through the ups and downs of life, through being single, to getting married, to losing jobs, having kids, all the changes in life. These scriptures have guided me. And today, I want to share with you how I went from that old Bible to this Bible I hold in my hands right now. I didn't grow up knowing God, I didn't grow up going to church. It wasn't until I met my dance teacher, Linda, that I became interested in faith. Here's a picture of Linda and I. We got to uh, do a play together, which was really fun. But Linda, she was a very ordinary lady. She wasn't fancy. She didn't have a lot of money. She's from small town, Wisconsin. But was, what was special about Linda was that she was faithful to pass on to me what she had learned. See, a couple years prior to meeting me, someone had shared the scriptures with Linda. That God loved her so much that he died for her, rose again, and that she could be connected into a loving relationship with him. And so here was Linda. Linda. Sharing those same truths with little twelve-year-old Molly, and you know what? That was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. I received those truths with great joy, and you know, it's been really fun. As I was preparing for this message, I have a daughter, Selah, who is eleven and a half years old, about the same time, same age I was when I came to faith. And as i around Selah, I just get to see. What a pivotal point in time it is for her. She's developing who she is, how she views the world. And I look back, and if it wasn't for Linda, I wouldn't be here on this stage today talking to you. She had a magnificent impact in my life. The scriptures change our life. They transform our lives. And as they are passed on, they also transform the lives of other people around us. Linda, she was very ordinary But she had an extraordinary impact on me. I love what the uh, professor and theologian Robert McCollin says about spiritual formation. He says this, Spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. See, we are to be formed in the image of Christ, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of other people. And that's what Linda did for me. She didn't keep the scriptures to herself. She passed them on to 12-year-old Molly, and it changed my life. As I received the scriptures and got to know Linda, I soon after that moved away to Colorado. And I I was one of those kind of strange kids that actually kind of grew up in a mountain town. People actually live in places like that. And um, as I was living there, I got invited to a youth retreat. And I remember the youth pastor just giving each of us a Bible and a scripture and saying, okay, go on your own now for like 30 minutes and take some time and just see what happens. See what comes up for you. So here I go, got this Bible. I'm reading it. You know what happens? I realize it's not an old dusty irrelevant book. I'm literally, I'm literally amazed that it actually even applies to my life. It was a completely different Bible than I thought. And from there on I started reading the Bible daily. And it started shaping me, informing me. And I didn't have like mentors in my life at that time, but I look back and I see that God's word discipled me. It grew me up and it shaped. And it formed me. And at that time, not only were the scriptures transforming my life, but they started transforming the lives of other people around me. I was just so excited about what I was learning that I would start sharing it with my family members and my girlfriends and just people I met out and about. And I remember when the most amazing thing happened. My mom and dad came to faith in Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, the script, you can clap about that, right? My mom and dad came in faith in Jesus. The scriptures weren't just transforming me. They were having an impact on a whole family unit. And it's been amazing to see what has happened since then. As I got older, I met my husband, Jason, and we started a campus ministry together. And I remember walking around that campus with this Bible in my hand. I would walk into sorority houses where I didn't know anybody. I'd get to know women. I would, I would share the gospel with them. And as people were, these women were growing in their faith, I would use these words to disciple them. Through these words, I got to show women what it looked like to forgive. What it looked like to truly love others like Jesus loves us. Through these words, I got to show these women how to trust God in hard times. I got to show them what kind of friends to look like. What I really got to see is that when it came to hard conversations, it was easier to share the scriptures with them than my own words. It went over a lot better. And as life went on, I kind of got to see that, you know, there's just so many things that shape us in life, right? There's so many truths that kind of form our thinking. And we get truth from all different places. We get truth from politicians. We, get, we can get our truth from authors or Instagram influencers. Or maybe you're a podcast person. You listen to podcasts like to and from work. And all these things are shaping our truth. I recall a specific time in my life where I was really searching for truth. Jason and I have been married a couple years and if you live in Oklahoma, that signals that you must start having children. So <laughs> granted, I wasn't the woman that just always dreamed of being a mom growing up. I think I'd maybe babysat like once in my life. I, don't, I didn't even know how to change a diaper at that time. Um, but we decided to start trying to get pregnant. And as we embarked on this journey, it ended up being a lot harder than we thought. Um, at one point, we thought we may not even ever be able to have children. And I just remember the day when we saw that positive pregnancy test. woohoo! I'm going to be a mom. This is awesome. But you know what? I also remember the next day. I'm going to be a mom? I don't even know how to change a diaper. Like, what am I supposed to do? Is there, is there some sort of plan or something, some more things I'm supposed to know? I am not prepared for this. And so what did I do? What any normal person would do? Get on Amazon and look up every book and ship them to my house and start reading, okay? I need to get some knowledge. How do I be a mom, right? Luckily, the Lord spoke to me. He reminded me of a scripture that I had previously read that says this. It's in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him. Where do we get our knowledge of him? It's through his word. Through knowing this word, God would give me everything I needed to be a mom. Whew, I didn't have to worry anymore. You know what? So this next nine months that I carried baby Sale in my stomach, I spent more time with God and with, in the scriptures. And I saw it change me and transform me and develop me. And prepare me to be a mom. Now the Bible didn't tell me that when your baby um, hasn't gone to the bathroom in days and is up crying in the middle of the night, that you send your husband to Walgreens to get enema so you can both get some sleep and have some relief, right? But there was, there's truth in the scriptures that came to life, and these scriptures have continually shaped and formed the way that I parent my children. So what are you, what are you striving for right now? Wherever you're at in life, what truth are you looking for? Know that it can be found in these words right here. So today, I'm excited to jump it back into Acts with you all. If you're new here, we have been going through the book of Acts. It's been a really amazing time. We are gonna jump back into Acts 17 today. And as we walk through Acts 17, I want to teach you a very practical tool to read the scriptures. I love practical things, so I want to pass this on to you. So everyone on their chair should have one of these. It's a little card that says the word SOAPS on it. We're going to go through the SOAPS Bible reading method today and unpack the scriptures. What I love about SOAPS is that it can take you as little as 10 minutes a day to implement into your life. That means waking up 10 minutes earlier. Or maybe you have a lunch break, you have 10 minutes. It can take you 10 minutes to do during your lunch break. If you have more capacity in your life and your time, you can extend this longer. But it's, um, it's an amazing way to kind of get reading the scriptures. So let's dive on into SOAPS. Um, S stands for scripture. Choose a scripture. An important place to start. So if you're like me and you grew up around... The Bible a lot, but not in the Bible. It's important to have a place that you know to start, a plan to follow, right? And so the book of John, I recommend the book of John. If you're looking for someone to st- somewhere to start, that's a great starting point. Continue on. Then in the New Testament, choose another book of the New Testament to start. And just read through a chapter a day. Um, we're also doing here at Restoration a Bible reading plan. You can jump in with us. We're about halfway through the Bible. Jump in with us, and that's a great way too. The point is, choose a plan. Everything always goes better. When I wake up and I have a plan in the morning, I'm like, okay, I can do this. So choose a, choose a scripture have a plan. Next we have observations. Observations are be curious and ask questions like read through the scripture a couple times as you read through it a couple times you'll you'll make different connections different things will stick out to you along the way just ask some questions of the scripture be curious about the passage a little bit after observation we come to application okay application how do I obey this in my life today how do I obey this in my life today whenever I think of application I always think of James 1 it says this Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. Okay, so let's be real here. If you're going out the door and you have one of those mirrors that you kind of take like a, you know, how am I looking sort of look before you head out the door. And you see this hair just out here doing its own thing. You're not going to be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to keep it there. No, you're going to tame that thing back in. You want to go out the door? You want to be looking good, right? And so that's what it's like when we read the scriptures. The scriptures reveals what's inside of us. And when we make an application, we're saying, okay, how can we line up our heart and our lives with the scriptures? So that's our, applica- that's our application. Next, we move to prayer. Prayer, when we pray, we talk to God. We build a relationship with Him. And what we don't want to do is just make an application and say, okay, I'm going to muster up this strength, and in my own might, I will do this. Because we all know that willpower doesn't work, it only goes so far. So when we pray, we are being honest with God. We are saying, God, this is how I feel like you're calling me to obey the scriptures. But I need your help. I cannot do this on my own. And when we ask for God to transform our lives, to help us in our obedience, we can do way more than we could ever do on our own. Our lives are transformed as we pray and ask God to help us. And then the last part, maybe the most important part, is that we then share. We share what we've learned We find um, our spouse, our children, somebody, a friend, family member, and we share just what God taught us through the scriptures. And when you share with somebody else, they're impacted, but you know what? You're impacted even more. Because when you teach somebody something, you know it even better. So the last part is we then share. As I look through my life, um, the scriptures and my capacity for the scriptures has looked different in different capacities throughout my life. When I was single, I had a lot of time. I could get up you know, before my day started and get some time in the scriptures and on the weekends, you know, I had extra time, which is great. And then I got married. And of course I thought, you know, my husband and I were going to wake up the same time every morning and read the Bible together. This is going to be so great. Yeah, it didn't happen. But it's because Jason and I connect with God differently. We have different schedules and that is okay. Um, And then I became a mom and I thought, man, you know what? Like, I still want to have time to connect with God. How am I going to be able to disciple women if I, you know, I'm not in the scriptures. And, and what I realized was this. God's gift to women is nursing. So when, you, when you're nursing, you have to sit your butt in the chair. You have to sit down. And so I would get out my Bible or get out my iPhone and read. I would read the scriptures. I would pray those scriptures over my babies. And what I saw there was that as long as you're always learning something, even if it's a verse, you always have something to give. As long as you're always learning something, you're always putting the Scripture on your mind, even if it's just one Bible verse, you always have something to share with somebody else. My husband, Jason, and I, we have a, a mentor who lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he's from. And we just, we admire him so much. He's read through the Bible probably more, over 100 times by now. And so one day we just asked him, we said, John, what is your secret? Like, tell us, what is your secret to reading the Bible so much you know what he said? Keep your butt in the chair. Keep your butt in the chair. Because life comes, things hit you, seasons change, you get busy. And a lot of times the first thing to go is the scriptures. Oh, I got this. I can do this on my own. And it works for a little bit. And then you all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I'm going to wreck. Like what happened to li- in life here, right? So persistence. Keep going. Even if it's a little, even if your capacity for scripture changes, keep going. Do not give up. Now my kids are a little older, and I'm able to get up before them and have some time with God. And I'm a person of routine. That's, that's how God made me. I like routines. I like the same setting. So I have a chair that I sit in. I have my coffee. I have my candle. I have my worship music. I can see a little piece of a tree because I like nature. And it's, I, that's how I connect with God through the scriptures. My husband Jason, opposite of me. He does not like Christine. (laughs) He likes to read the Bible. He likes to listen to the Bible. He likes to walk while he's listening to the Bible. He likes to read long passages of Scripture. I like to read short passages of Scripture. Be a student of yourself. Figure out what works for you, how you connect with God through the Scriptures. We're all different. That's a great thing. It's taken me a little bit in life to realize that in marriage, but it's good. So, what we're going to do now, we're going to jump into Acts 17. We have our passage, our scripture, Acts 17. We're going to now read through it in a couple chunks and just make some observations. We're going to be kind of curious about the passage and see what kind of stands out to us. So, let's start in Acts 17, um, verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Epiphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So the first observation I see here, it says um, Jesus reasoned with them from the scriptures, not with his own words. He didn't try to convince them on his own. He knew that the power to transform a life was only found in the scriptures. These were the words that were his truth. Is the Bible your truth? Is this what you hold as ultimate authority in life? Do you know it? Do you read it? Are you engaged with the scriptures? If you're new to faith or maybe you've been out of the habit of getting in the scriptures for a while, it can be daunting to get back in, right, and to get back into that routine. But just know, the more that you read it, the more you're going to want to read it. And the more that you see your life transformed through the scriptures, the more you're going to want to obey it. This will become your life and breath. Not a have to, but a I can't live without it. Next observation we see here is that he pointed them towards Jesus. He pointed them towards Jesus. There's a lot of things that um, Paul could have explained. A lot of things he could have talked about in the Bible. But he talked about Jesus. Because the whole Bible is based around Jesus. There's a lot of things that we can kind of disagree on within the scriptures. And I think when we get to heaven we'll see everything for what what it is. But We must all agree that Jesus is the center of everything. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points back to Jesus. And so a great question to ask yourself as you are reading the scriptures is, what does this say about Jesus? How does this point to Jesus? As we go on in verse 5, we see it says, um, But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying, There is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. The Jews were jealous. We see here that the Jews were jealous because the knowledge that Paul had was actually having an impact. It was changing people around them. Why was there a riot? There wouldn't have been a riot if everything just stayed the same. No. The knowledge that Paul had of the risen Savior was changing people's lives, and the Jews didn't like it. They didn't like the new guy in town. They were jealous. They wanted things to stay the same. They didn't believe him. The next observation we see here is this. Paul and his companions, by the Jews, are known for causing trouble all around the world and saying, there is another king. At this time, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Instagram. It wasn't like broadcasting, here is the Apostle Paul changing the world for Jesus. No, he had to walk from city to city to city. And as he was changing the world, word got back through walking, through word of mouth. It was a long process, but you know what? He was known as someone who changed the world for Jesus. He caused trouble for Jesus. And if I could be known as Molly Soderstrom, headliner, Instagram, Facebook, this woman is causing trouble all over the world for Jesus. That would be my joy. So the Jews thought what they were saying about him. They were mocking him. When in reality, that was Paul's greatest joy. He's like, yeah, they heard about it. It is working. How awesome is that, right? So as we continue on in the scripture, we see that really only through the resiliency by the power of the Holy Spirit does Paul continue on his journey. After being kicked out of Thessalonica, he continues on to Berea. Verse 10 says this, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to a Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as also did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So it begs to ask the question, why were the Bereans of more noble character than those in Thessalonica? I think we see in verse 11 two reasons. First reason is this. It says, they received the message with great eagerness. I love that word, eager. And I started asking myself, what does it mean to be eager? Wh- what am I eager for in life right now? Patio furniture. <laughs> I'm eager for patio furniture. If you've been following my husband and I, you know that we remodeled the house this last year. We just got on this awesome deck, and I cannot wait for my patio furniture. So, so how, how we think nowadays is, okay, what am I going to want in a year? Oh, yeah, I better order that right now, right? Everything takes forever to get in, and so I'm waiting on my patio furniture. But I am eager for it. I am, like, envisioning what it's going to feel like, like the memories that are going to be made by my family on that patio. I cannot wait for this patio furniture to get in. And that's how the Bereans were. They were eager to hear and learn about God's word. The next thing um, that set the, the Bereans apart, it says, they examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. It didn't say they examined the scriptures once, t- twice, three times. They examined the scriptures daily. And they wanted to know the scriptures. They didn't just want to take Paul what Paul said and just run with it. They said, okay, let's go back. Let's go see. Does this line up with God's word? What about you? When you hear something, even if it's a Christian author or a book you read, do you look back at the scripture and say, does this line up with God's word? Or do you just accept that advice that's given to you? And I also start thinking about this idea of of daily seeking God. There's things that we do daily in our lives that are so healthy for us, like brushing our hair, brushing our teeth, making our bed that builds positive, healthy habits into our lives. That's what it's like when we connect with God daily through the scriptures. We become spiritually healthy people. All right, the last observation I'm going to make here, I want to talk to all the ladies in the room for a minute, okay? So men, don't tune now. This does apply to you also, but I just want to make an observation that applies to the ladies here in this room today. We see in the scripture that it says, A number of prominent Greek women believe. A number of prominent Greek women believed. It says this in Thessalonica, and then it says this in Berea. And whenever something is repeated two times in the scriptures, it means, hey, take note of this. Like, this is important. And I love that word, prominent. Another word I think of is influential. I think Paul points this out because these women were so influential that as they received the scriptures, they continued to go beyond themselves. They were passed on. They used their influence for God's glory. You know what? When I look around this room, I see a lot of women of influence. I see women who own businesses in the city. I see women who are leaders of leaders. I see women who are well-connected in the social life of this city, who are volunteers, who are moms. And I just want to ask you, how are you using your influence? Are you allowing God's scripture to transform your life? And as you are, are you impacting the community around you? Because you know what? I believe God is calling us women of Restoration Church to be women who impact this community, who see our city changed, women who come together and do life together, who are in simple churches together, and we transform the city for him. You might be saying, you know, Molly, I'm, I'm not one of those um, influential women you're talking about. But you know what? My dance teacher, Linda, in the world's eyes, she wouldn't have been seen as influential. But she had an extraordinary impact on me that has changed my life and has changed the world. Let's see women who come together. Okay. So as we read through the scriptures and as we make observations, it's amazing how much we can learn As we just take time to slowly read through God's word. And after we do our observations, we then want to move on to a time of application where we ask, how are we going to obey this? How are we going to let this transform our lives? And so today I have for you two choices you can make for your application. The verse that really stood out to me in this passage is verse 11, where Paul talks about the Berean's eagerness for God's word. And so, the first application I want you to think about if this is you. You may say to me, you know what? If I am to be honest with you right now, Molly, I'm not eager for God's word. I don't feel eager towards God's word. And so, I want us all to think about right now something that you are eager for. For me, it was patio furniture. (laughs) What are you eager for right now? Maybe it's a trip that's coming up that you're about to go on. Maybe you're single and you're eager for a spouse. Maybe it's that pay raise. Maybe it's a concert you're going to go to. What are you eager for? I want you to take that eagerness. And I want you to pray every day this week that God would give you that same eagerness for his word. Pray that God would give you that same eagerness for his word. So maybe that's you. That's application one. Second choice is um, maybe you do feel eager towards God's word. I would encourage you, make your application to try the soaps. Bible reading method one time this week. Give it a try one time this week and see how God wants to speak to you to transform your heart through his word. After we make our application, I always take time to pray and ask God to help me obey what he's asked me of me. And then I spend time asking him to show me who he would want me to share this with. Who's on God's heart? Who's on God's heart that I could be that Linda towards? To share what I'm learning with, so here you guys have your you have your soaps. I'd love for you guys to take this this week, put this in your Bible to remember that God's word wants to speak to you. But if I'm being honest with you all, there's times in my life where I don't feel eager towards God's word. Um, I don't want to meet with Him. Life gets busy. It gets chaotic. At the Soderstrom household right now, we are closing up the school year, and life can be a little crazy, and you know what? Next year, I'm going to miss my Wednesdays, because Wednesdays are mommy days with my daughter Eden. Next year, she's going to be in school, this little cutie, all day, every day, and so Wednesdays, I get to be with Eden, and you know what I like to do on Wednesdays? I just like to be with her. I like to get on the ground, go in her bedroom. I like to play baby dolls, dress up her toys, hear all the new animals' names. We, we color together. And I just like to see Eden's face light up. I like to be a part of her world and do a tea party together and see how much joy it is to be with Eden. And that's how God feels. That's how much he longs to be with you. More than a mother's love for her children, God is longing to meet with you through the scriptures. He can't wait for you to to open up the Bible and to read about his love for you, how he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He can't wait for you to, to see the peace that washes over your face when you see that he is for you and so that nothing can be against you. So regardless of how you feel, Just know, God is eager to meet with you. Will you join me as we pray? Jesus, I thank you that your word is truth. In the midst of a world where we are searching, we are longing for truth, that you have given us these precious promises and these words that we can live by, Father. I pray that as we read these scriptures, our lives would be transformed more into your likeness, Father. I pray that this week, eagerness would swell up in us, Father, that we would be eager for your word, Lord, that as we just try the soap method, Jesus, that we would just see the scriptures come to life, Father, and that regardless, we would know a father's love that is so eager to meet with us. Amen.